78 down, 287 to go. My name is Chris. This is At A Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today, I'm going to be talking about the movies The Outfit as well as Coda. Uh, Coda is up for Best Picture at the Oscars uh, this upcoming weekend. I'm also going to be giving a box office report and talking specifically about the four new movies uh, that came out this past weekend and the successes and failures those films had. But before I go any further, are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf? For 40 years, KL Jack has been the premier industrial supplier in Northern New England. They are a proud family-owned company headquartered in Portland, Maine. They proudly distribute quality brands such as Lennox, 3M, DeWalt, and strong, durable, American-made Viking brand drill bits and cutting tools. Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10, that's TIM10, to get 10% off your first online order. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasives, safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and to keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. If you have any industrial supply questions at all, reach out to Tim Riggles on Twitter. It's at Tim Riggles, so at T-I-M-R-I-D-G-O-L-D-S. Or go to kljack.com right now to place that order. Use promo code TIM10, TIM10, for 10% off your first online order. Okay, let's talk box office. And for the first time in 2022, we actually have a legitimate box office report. We have 10 different movies grossing $1.4 million or more. We have four new releases in 800 theaters or more. You know, for so long doing this, it's been Spider-Man No Way Home and then a series of movies that are under a million dollars that probably shouldn't even be in movie theaters, where now we have a fully fledged, rounded out box office report to talk about. Uh, and number one, no surprise, it's the Batman, $36.8 million. It's in its third week in release. It hit the $300 million mark. It's the first movie in 2022 to hit the $300 million mark. Uh, obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home is at almost at $800 million, but that came out in 2021. Like I mentioned, it's Batman's third week in release, and it's exceeded expectations. Uh, $300 million is a great number. It's done really well among critics. I imagine Warner Brothers is really happy with how, Bat how the Batman has done so far. But even if the Batman didn't do well, it still would have been number one the first three weekends. There just wasn't any other competition. Um, you could pretty much put that in ink back in January 1st that the Batman would be number one the first three weekends in March. It was just, it was just a lock. Having said that, it's still done really well. But I will say this. I think next weekend, we are going to have a brand new number one, and that's going to be The Lost City. That's the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt, Daniel Radcliffe movie uh, that's due to come out on Friday. I think The Lost City is going to play really well with the demographic that has, that has been really underserved, and that's female moviegoers. Uh, this entire year, it's been mostly a male-driven movie theater experience. Um, you know, you look at movies that are geared toward females, and there hasn't been many. Uh, the most obvious one is Marry Me. That's the Owen Wilson, Jennifer Lopez movie. I've covered that on this show. Looks like that'll turn a slight profit if you add in the international gross, but domestically, it only brought in 22 million. Now, in fairness, Marry Me was also playing on Peacock, so I'm sure that may have hurt the numbers a little bit, uh, but I wouldn't call Marry Me a huge success, but 
I would say it's the only movie that's really geared toward female audiences. You could make a case of maybe for Dog or Death in the Nile, but something like The Lost City, I think is a much, is a more exciting and fun movie than Marry Me. I mean, Marry Me also had, I guess, the benefit of coming out on Valentine's Day. So it kind of could be that date movie. But I'll tell you, like, even since Valentine's Day, I've noticed such a huge uptick in people going back to the movies. And, and the Batman just kind of came out at that perfect time. And I think people are waiting for that next big movie. I think The Lost City could be that kind of movie where, uh, obviously, I said it, it, it plays really well to females because of the Sandra Bullock element. It has kind of a romantic um, piece to the story there. But I think there's also enough action in that trailer. That trailer is really well done, where I think that can bring in the male audience as well. Um, I think that movie is going to could hit $30 million. And if it does that, that will likely knock off the Batman. I, I can't imagine the Batman will bring in more than $25 million next weekend. So as long as The Lost City can hit $25 million, it could be number one. And I think it kind of has that romancing the stone excitement to it. It checks a lot of boxes for moviegoers. And I, I also think people are looking for that escapist kind of movie right now. And looking, and it's the perfect, it runs counter to the Batman so perfectly where the Batman is such a dark movie. This is, this seems so light and fun. And I think it's exactly what people are, are wanting to see next. So that's my prediction. The Lost City is number one next week. Now here's a prediction I would have gotten entirely wrong a couple weeks ago. And that's in second place is Jujitsu Kaizen Zero, the movie. Uh, it brought in $14.8 million this past weekend. This is an anime film. Uh, and maybe I shouldn't have completely missed the boat on this. There was a movie that came out in 2021 called Demon Slayer, the movie Mujin Train. Uh, that came out in April of last year and that opened with $21 million. So there is that anime audience that I know myself because I'm not a big anime fan. Uh, it looks like some other box office projectors as well, including some theaters are completely ignoring or, or not appreciating enough. Um, for instance, this was only in 2,200 theaters where X was in 2,800 theaters. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen made $14 million and made $10 million more than X did this weekend. So, you know, this might be something we, you know, to keep an eye on. Now, I guess the negative element is if you go back and look at Demon Slayer's, uh, weekends last year, it made $21 million opening weekend, huge number came out of nowhere. did great. But the following weekend only made six, and the weekend after that it only made two. D those are pretty gigantic drop-offs. You know, lost seventy percent from opening weekend, and it lost another fifty-seven percent after that. Appear apparently, these the anime films will have very large opening weekends, and then once that fan base has seen it, there isn't a lot of room for it to grow beyond that, which makes sense. I mean, this is a more of a niche film uh, until anime really grows. But I'll tell you, if anime movies can keep opening. 15, $20 million opening weekends, you'll see more and more of them in theaters and you'll see that audience grow more and more. Like you'll just see that become a more, I don't say respected, but a more maybe appreciated is the better word, genre. Rounding out movies that I, I shouldn't see kind of in that tier A is in third place, Uncharted. Uh, it made $8 million last weekend. That's terrific. It only lost 13% from the following weekend. This movie just keeps chugging along. It's hit $125 million. Uh, Tom Holland, another huge success for him and Sony. Okay, so now we're in kind of that tier B as far as if I see these movies, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And in fourth place is X. This is a pretty disappointing opening weekend, I think. Uh, 4.4 million. It was in 2,800 theaters. I think 824 might have been hoping for more. I mean, you have Britney Snow in the movie. Uh, she's fairly well known from those Pitch Perfect movies. They made a lot of money. 
And I, I think they were hoping that horror slash porn mashup would, would do better. Um, it's gotten pretty good reviews. We'll see how long the word of mouth can keep it going. Um, I always mention there has never been an A24 movie that's made $50 million domestic. And it doesn't seem like X is going to break that trend. So A24, they make some really, really, really good movies. They make some interesting creative choices, but they have not figured out a way for these movies to make any money. Uh, in fifth place is Dog at $4 million. It's up now to $54 million total gross. The surprise hit of Q1 for, uh, for movies. In sixth place is Spider-Man No Way Home, $3.2 million. It's now only $3 million away from $800 million. In seventh place is Death on the Nile, made $1.7 million. In eighth place is The Outfit. This made $1.5 million. Um, this is a pretty disappointing opening for focus features in The Outfit. Uh, I'll talk more about the movie as far as what I thought about it from a critical standpoint, um, but that's a really disappointing opening. It's also a disappointing opening if, you, if you're an adult that loves going to see movies. I'm not saying The Outfit is the greatest film of all time, but that type of movie, crime drama with a great actor, that's a movie that's made for adults, like to have it open that week. I know Focus didn't put a ton of muscle behind it, and I know theaters really lost interest in it once they saw X and Jujutsu Kaisen were going to be coming out that weekend, and that kind of swallowed up a lot of the theaters. But that's still a pretty weak opening. In ninth place is another Indian Hindi movie, The Kashmir Files, one point, almost $1.5 million. We, see, we keep seeing these pop up uh, in the top 10, and I, I see more and more of them playing in theaters. Um, the impressive thing about this movie is it's only playing in 230 theaters. So that means it's making $6,500 a theater, which is exactly what Jujutsu Kaisen made per theater. If these theaters are going to be seeing $6,000 weekends from these Indian Hindi movies, you're going to see a lot more of them in theaters. There's obviously a real market there. Uh, in 10th place is Sing 2. It made $1.48 million. Uh, it's up to $158 million. One thing I want to do real quick is talk about Encanto. So Encanto is for a long time, had the number one song on the Billboard Top 200 with uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno. The music of Encanto has been a huge success for the movie, but box office-wise, Sing 2 kind of beat the shit out of Encanto. Uh, Sing 2 is now up to $158 million, 13 weeks in release, while Encanto didn't even break 100000 this week. It's its 17th week in release. And I know it's already on Disney+, Plus, but it's only made $95 million. So Sing 2 brought in $63 million more than Encanto, which both those movies are certainly underperforming because of COVID reasons, but that's a pretty big win for Sing 2. Both movies, by the way, are both really good kids' movies. Uh, in 11th place is Umma. This made $915,000. Uh, I was actually going to see... Jujutsu Kaisen this week instead of Ama. That was the original plan because I figured, oh, this Jujutsu Kaisen movie, I've never heard of it. This is going to be gone in two weeks. I got to see this right away. Uh, but the fact that it's doing so well, I mean, this is going to be in theaters, I imagine, for the next at least six weeks, even if it does has a, have a big drop off. So I'm going to go see Ama instead um, this week. So as a Sandra O oh horror movie, it's gotten no buzz. I mean, no, no one saw about this. It looks like the reviews weren't great either. So I want to see that before it drops out of theaters for sure. In 12th place is Alice. It only made $176,000. It was only in 170 theaters. Uh, it's distributed by Roadside Attractions. I'll be seeing it this week. It stars Kiki Palmer as a slave in the, in the 1870s, I believe, who escapes the plantation only to end up in 1973. Uh, I'm a big time travel fan, so I'm actually excited for this one. Uh, Roadside just did zero job promoting this. 
uh, marketing this at all. I mean, I, I had barely even heard of it. it. It's just not a movie getting any attention at all. Doesn't seem like they have a lot of confidence in that movie. In 13th place is Licorice Pizza, 14, Cyrano, 15, Marry Me, 16, Belfast, 17, The Worst Person in the World, 18, Encanto, 19, Drive My Car, and 20, West Side Story. I've seen all of those movies. I'll be honest with you, this chart leaves me a little bit concerned. So at the end of this week, based on my schedule and what I've already seen, there's only going to be three English language movies left of the top 23 that I haven't seen. Now, I know there's a few releases coming out next week, but even having said that, though, I like to at least have between seven and 10 movies in my back pocket here in the top 23 that I haven't seen. Definitely might need to get weird here as we end the month. Okay, so that's the bad news. Here's the good news. I didn't spend a single dollar since the last time I spoke to you folks. I went to two movies at the Regal Fox Run, which is pretty close by to me, so I didn't have to fill up my tank with gas. I used the Regal uh, Unlimited card that I have, so both movies were included in the price that I paid initially. I was even able to use my credits, and I still was able to get a popcorn and a drink. So I haven't talked about the credits very much. So they offer five different primary ways for you to redeem your credits. So anyone can get the credits if you have the, you don't need to have the unlimited. You could have just the basic free Regal Crown Club card, which I recommend, if you go to Regal a lot, I recommend getting it. It's free. Uh, and then like I said, you can get some, you can get some free stuff as well. So for every $15 you spend at Regal, you can get a free drink upgrade. That's not that great. For every $20 you spend, you can get a free popcorn upgrade. All right. But here, I think here are the, the three that I think are pretty decent. So if you spend $60 at Regal, and this is over time. This is not just at one shop. It, obviously, the, the card just keeps your, your credits rolling. Uh, you get a free small popcorn. And if you spend $70 at Regal, you get a free small soft drink. Because of Concessions Month and other tickets I bought for the Fandango things, I, I had enough to get a small popcorn and a small drink. And then if you spend $180 at Regal, you get a free uh, movie ticket. So, I mean, look, is the greatest benefits of all time? No, but that's not a bad savings. If you're going to Regal anyway and spending the money, you might as well get the get the credits and, and redeem them. So I was very proud of myself for not spending a dime. So I'm still at 2707, just like the last time I talked to you, as far as money I've spent so far on this project, which means I'm down now to $34.71 a day or $12,667 for the year. I hit that $12,000 mark. I'm very happy about that. Uh, and a big reason why is Tom Treshock budget month this year. And when the month started, my financial plan really needed some help. And because Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group has my back, I'm in much better shape than when the month started. Tom has been kind enough to sponsor the expense report for the entire month. And not only has he helped me get back on track with the show's budget, but he can also assist you with your own personal budget. At the end of the day, Tom's top priority is to ensure that you can have the ability to save more while maintaining your current lifestyle. So why wait? Give Tom a call today at 732-403-7747 to book a meeting and see how his approach can help you. Again, that's 732-403-7747 to book your meeting today. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Security, LLC, PAS. Security products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Give Tom a call today. I'll have his information in the show notes. Okay, had kind of a turn back the clock weekend this weekend at the movie theaters. I felt like I was back in the late 90s. Um, both Coda and The Outfit, although being very different movies, I feel both could have done pretty well in like 1998. I think both could have made between 40 and $80 million. 
Neither of these were going to be blockbuster hits, um, but I think both could have really found an audience. As I mentioned, when I did the box office report, the outfit bombed. Um, and Coda, it's, I don't have any data on that at all because that's on Apple Plus streaming and it's playing in very, very, very select theaters. Um, Apple Plus says they're happy with their streaming results with this movie. I think they're also really excited that they have a movie that's been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. So no matter what, they're very happy with their investment in Coda. I don't think this Coda is a movie people are really talking about in droves, like Batman or Spider-Man, obviously. I mean, unless you're a, a real movie nerd or unless you're really into the movie award season, I don't think people are really discussing Coda very often. Um, Coda did cost Apple $25 million. Um, but like I said, I think they're pretty happy with that investment. They bought Coda at, at Sundance. And I'll talk about Coda first here. This is a great movie. I, I love this movie. It's probably the sixth best movie I've seen so far doing this. You have the classics like Godfather, Goodfellas, and Back to the Future. But then among the newer movies, the only movies I've seen better are Belfast and Worst Person in the World. Uh, I'm going to give Coda an A-. minus. This is a movie that's not perfect. It wears its heart on its sleeve. Um, some people might say it's too sentimental or it's a little too much tugging at the heartstrings, uh, but it worked for me. It's about a teenage daughter. She's a senior in high school. She's played brilliantly by Amelia Jones. Um, I think Amelia Jones could have a huge career. Um, she's so good in this movie. It's kind of a shame she wasn't nominated for Best Actress, um, especially when you consider the terrible being the Ricardos. I mean, not a good movie at all. And Nicole Kidman is is doing a bad impression of Lucia Ball. I, I don't I don't understand the appeal for that movie's cast when it comes to getting three different Oscar nominations. J.K. Simmons is quite good, but the idea that Nicole Kidman got nominated and Amelia Jones didn't and Renette Rentevy from The Worst Person in the World didn't is shocking to me. I know Nicole Kidman's obviously a bigger name and I, I get it, but that that's really a surprise here. She Jones is quite good in this movie. Um, and it's a role where if she isn't great, and there's a couple other roles here where if it's if they're not played as brilliantly as they are, or the script is a little bit more amateur hour, this becomes an after school special really quick. Um, it's one of those movies to kind of teach you a message. Uh, but I didn't feel that way with Coda. I never felt like I was being lectured to. I felt instead like I was being invited into a world I didn't really know much about. And I felt like it was treating the people in the world with a lot of respect, but also really honestly. Uh, this is, like I said, Amelia Jones plays a high school senior. She's the only person in her family that can hear. Her mother, her father, and her older brother are all deaf. Uh, it takes place in Gloucester, Massachusetts. It's brilliantly shot on location. It uses Gloucester and the surrounding area really well. You feel like you're there. For a movie that takes place in the New England area, this might have been the movie with the least shitty Boston accents I've ever seen. I, I, obviously, three of the major cast members are deaf and, and, and they don't speak, but the speaking cast uses their regular voices. It was such a relief and a really smart move by the director, San Heater. She did not get a nomination for Best Director. And there are some issues maybe with some of the direction in this film as far as being kind of by the book. She's also a smart enough director where she lets the cast take over. Um, she's never trying to do too much. And the time she does do a little bit of a flourish, uh, it really packs a punch. Uh, I openly cried during this movie on two different occasions. Uh, but most of the movie is, is a lighter touch. It, it, you're laughing a lot. You're kind of going through the journey with this fisherman and his family and this daughter that 
is trying like hell to carve out a place for her own identity, but her family so desperately needs her because she's their translator. She's their, their voice to the world. Um, and without her, they're really at a disadvantage and she's so torn. The whole family is very good. Um, Marley Matlin, of course, is a Best Actress winner back in the 80s. And she's she's good in this, but actually of the three members of the family that, that's deaf, she's maybe the, gives the weakest performance. Uh, Daniel Dur Durant is her brother. He's very good. You know, he, he wants his sister to get away, but at the same token, he has a lot of jealousy of his sister and he gets annoyed. He's the older brother and he gets annoyed how much the family depends on her. Uh, and he does it in a really low key way. The parents sometimes can be the comic relief and he never really drifts into that. Um, he's a very good actor, uh, but Troy Kotzer plays the father and wow. Uh, some of the most emotional, maybe the most emotional performance I've seen this year, the stuff he does, especially when he's in scenes just with, uh, with Amelia Jones and that father daughter relationship is so powerful. All three of the deaf actors do such an amazing job. It, they, they make you feel like you're you're in that world for a couple hours. You, you're seeing things from their perspective. And this also goes back to the director. She, she also wrote this screenplay. But by the end of the movie, you're seeing everything from that angle, which is, oh, you can see kind of the struggles that are hitting this family because you're putting yourself in their shoes. It, it's, it's a really remarkable movie. I wish more people had the ability to see it. Um, it is on Apple Plus. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, an Oscar preview show at the end of the week. And obviously, I'll be talking quite a bit about this movie then. It's up, it has three nominations, but all three nominations are, are, are pretty heavy-duty ones. There's been a lot of talk the last couple of weeks that Coda could actually win Best Picture. Uh, it won the Best Ensemble Award at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which that's, that's their biggest award they give out. And then just a couple of days ago, it won the Producers Guild of America Award for Best Picture. Um, and that's another trend. Usually if movies win both those awards because you have the producers wing and now you have the actors wing, that's a huge amount of voters that tells you that Coda has a real chance of winning. I don't think Coda will win only because it only has three nominations. Um, but I'll obviously talk about that more. Uh, I think you're going to hear that episode on Saturday. If you have Apple Plus, please see this right away. This is very, very, very good. It's playing, like I said, it's playing in select theaters. I think Regal is doing a thing right now where they're playing the Best Picture nominees, but very sparingly, like every other day and only once a day. It's kind of a shame because my theater was over half full for this. It was a small theater, but I think there are people that want to see Coda that maybe don't have Apple TV Plus. So um, huge recommendation for Coda. I'll talk about my review for the outfit in a second, but first I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at popstores.com. That's P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com that has over 100 flavors available. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything and any size. And best of all, they can ship anywhere. Here are some flavors they have that they sent me that I haven't talked about yet. Peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter cookie. And then I just dug into the sea salted caramel. It is fantastic. This is the perfect option for me when I get home from the movies. Now the concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, that's P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com and use the promo code movies with Chris, you will save 25% off your entire order. That's one word, movies with Chris, C-H-R-I-S. Go check out their flavors right now. 
The outfit is a crime drama. It stars Mark Rylance, who is acting his balls off. Beyond that, is there a lot to this movie? Maybe not. It's pretty standard genre stuff. If you're a big crime drama fan and you like kind of mysteries and twists and turns, go see this. For me, it's probably one or two twists too many, but I am kind of a sucker for this genre too. I'm going to give this a C plus. Uh, Mark Rylance is exceptional. It's probably the best performance I've seen from any movie that's come out in 2022. I don't think that's saying very much. But this is an enjoyable night out to the movies. Maybe the C plus is a little harsh. It's right on that B minus C plus line for me. There's something to be said for a movie like this. It's a bottle movie. It all takes place in uh, Mark Rylance's tailor shop. Mark Rylance plays a tailor who gets mixed up with the mob in Chicago. Um, I will say this movie was shot in England. It feels like it's British. This does not feel at all like it takes place in Chicago. So that's a little bit distracting because they make a lot of references to England and you never feel like you're in America. Um, so that's a little bizarre to me. And the crime family he's dealing with, I don't think are the best actors. Um, I think if this movie was made in America, it would feel much more authentic. And I think you'd get better actors to kind of do that that Chicago mafia thing. Um, instead, you're getting actors that maybe aren't as comfortable with that type of genre. But Rylance can do it all. If you're a fan of great acting, go see the outfit. And like I said, if you love kind of that type of movie, it's worth seeing. I just wish we'd see more movies like this where it's not trying to be a Grand Slam tentpole movie. It's also never talking down to its audience. It's just an enjoyable night out. Um, or even like I said, if this is streaming, it's a perfect streaming movie too. But I feel like there's so many options on streaming. It's nice to have some of these movies crack into the theaters. But if it's only going to make an opening weekend total of less than $2 million, we're just not going to see these movies in the theaters. This is Graham Moore's first time directing. You probably, if you know Graham Moore, he's, he wrote the movie The Imitation Game, which won the Oscar for Best Screenplay. You'll see that, obviously, a lot with writers who win Oscars. They want to go in and direct. And sometimes it works better than others. Of course, we have you know, Aaron Sorkin directing lousy movies every year between Chicago, Trial of Chicago 7 and now being the Ricardos, when he probably should just stick to just, just writing movies. But I don't think Graham Moore did a poor job here. Like I said, it all takes place in one location, but you never feel too claustrophobic in the movie. And it's an enjoyable night out with a great actor in the movie almost the entire time. I mean, you can do a lot worse. Okay, I'll be back on Thursday. I believe I might even have a guest with me. I will talk to you folks then.